0: You're listening to Inside Acting. To find out more and make a donation, visit InsideActingPodcast.com. Hello and welcome to episode 25 of Inside Acting. I'm Trevor Algott. And I'm A.J. Meyer. And on this podcast, we interview casting directors, uh, agents, actors, managers, uh, writers, filmmakers, DPs, anybody involved with the entertainment industry. We bring those interviews to you. And of course, we want to keep it as open a dialogue as possible,
1: so we have a myriad ways of uh, getting a hold of us. Uh, you can go to our website at InsideActingPodcast.com to find those out. And uh, we've actually got a voicemail and uh, and an email that uh, we want to answer on the podcast today, as well as... Um, A very exciting interview. Um,
0: Do you want to talk about that a little bit, Trev? Yeah, we've got a a really cool interview with J.K. Simmons. A lot of you guys may know him uh, from Spider-Man, the Spider-Man series. He played uh, J. Jonah Jameson. He was on HBO's Oz. He's currently starring in The Closer. And if you you hit up his IMDb, you'll see it's like 16 pages long. And he's a really nice guy. (laughs) He actually invited us onto set in his trailer to do the interview. So it was our first kind of like on-location interview. It was pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so we did it from JK's trailer which was like unbelievable realistic like in, you know, this trailer on on the lot um where they shoot the closer and um it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Um and uh in, as far as shout outs go for this episode, I think we should give a shout out to all of our um donors considering the um very uh odd way we are recording this episode. So, um yeah. if if you notice some strange uh uh sort of blips or um some strange audio quality on this episode. It's because Trevor and I are a few hundred miles away from one another today. Yeah. Um, Trevor, you want to talk about how you're
0: making this happen? Yeah. For the, uh, the very first time on Inside Acting, we're actually recording this, the part where Ajay and I talk, uh, over Skype. So, um, using the donations that you guys have provided and been so generous with, we actually bought a uh, Skype recording program and we're using that now to do this, this podcast. So more and more as we go on, our listeners, uh, are literally the the reason we are still doing this podcast. I mean literally we would yes. we, we, we probably wouldn't be able to put out an episode this week without without this software and hence no. without the donations.
1: Yeah, definitely not. And I, you know, I keep thinking about the idea of uh, this being the case if and when, you know, we have to shoot on location or if we have to go out of town for a job or if I get some kind of like touring musical theater gig or something like that at some point, you know, it, it, there may come a time where, you know, the, the the majority of the episodes end up coming out this way uh, because we would just not be in the same uh, city, <laughs> let alone the same state. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, seriously. Well, right now you're, you're coming to us from kind of a remote area, aren't you? Yeah, I, I found the one Wi-Fi hotspot in Yosemite National Park, I think. Um, I'm drafting Wi-Fi off of this uh, cabin here uh, at this place called Curry Village. And um, uh, I, I came up here to kind of get away from the city for a few days. I really needed it. My, a friend of mine was getting married, and I decided to stay up here and, and do some fishing afterwards just to kind of, uh, you know, be uh, a little Henry David Thoreau about about things. <laughs> um, Although I must say, you know, it, you know, at Murphy's Law, I get an email from, uh, from my manager saying that something happened, something went down on the set of Transformers 3, and uh, either somebody dropped out or, or Michael Bay may have fired them because, you know... Uh, anyway, I'm not even going to go there, just in case I end up working with him. Um, and uh, I guess needed they needed somebody, and there was a rush call for uh, a, a role that that fit my description, and I, of course, was not around. How so, perfect?
0: Perfect. Yeah, R-
1: Murphy's Law. So yeah. you know, it's it's interesting because you know, on the one hand, I want to say that as actors, we do need a, a kind of. Um, uh, we do need to be able to get away once in a while and kind of, you know, be with our thoughts. And, and, you know, I'm basically going up into the mountains with no cell phone reception or Wi-Fi connection for four days to kind of just be away from things. And, you
0: know, you kind
1: of can pay the price for that. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's very cool, dude. I mean, I love that you're actually doing this solo. I mean, you're not with anybody. You're going to be in a tent and fishing like by yourself. Yes. Which is awesome. Yes. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And now the place I'm familiar with it, it's a place that my father has taken me to go fishing before. Um, so it's not like I'm going by the seat of my pants and I'm, I'm very prepared. You know, I've got all the correct equipment and I'm going to be warm and I'm going to be f- well fed and uh, well hydrated. But, uh, but, uh, you know, so it goes with the, uh, with the, if the Transformers three thing, uh, is legitimate, yeah. you know, I don't know. It was just a, a scare tactic <laughs> from my manager. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, you know, Regardless,
0: um, you know I'm happy to I'm happy to be up here. <laughs> cool. So uh, before we jump into this interview, then um, we do have uh, a few voicemails and emails that listeners have sent in that we kind of, kind of wanted to respond to and discuss. Um,
1: yeah, we've got a, we've got a bunch uh,
0: of of stuff,
1: and you know we want to make sure we get to as many of them as possible. Um, and it's kind of tough with this episode. So if you don't hear your stuff in this episode, it'll be you know in a in a future one for sure. Yeah. yeah.
0: I guess we should, we should probably kick it off with. Uh, Tori Johns' um, email. Um, yeah. A good, um, a good question. You want to read that? Yeah. She, uh, so Tori writes in. She's actually on Twitter as well. I believe it's is it ToriJ9, jo- Tori I believe, is her Twitter handle. Um, we'll okay. I'll put a link to it in the uh, the good stuff section of the, on the website. But uh, she writes in and she says, I'm primarily focused on stage acting right now. Uh, and I'm getting ready to send out headshots for the first time. Should I pick just one shot to send out to every theater? Or is it okay to pick, say, a smiling shot to send to theaters A, B, and C, but a serious shot to send to theaters D, E, and F? Or does it even matter? Uh, it's a good question, because it's one of those little things, I think, where actors get really caught up in the details of things. So mm-hmm. I don't know. What are your thoughts on this, Albert? Albert.
1: Well, I, I, had, I had two thoughts uh, on this. The first one was I immediately sort of had an adverse reaction to the idea of sending a smiling shot to a theater company, unless it was like a children's theater. Um, I know that's probably just me being very traditional about things, but usually a theatrical shot is something that's not non-smiling, a little bit more. Um, I don't want to say dramatic, but more neutral, I guess. Um, so, uh, you know, it, it depends on what those what theaters A, B, and C are, if you're going to send a smiling headshot to those people, you know. Uh, again, like I said, that may be, just be me being very traditional about the whole thing. Um, and the other thought was, uh, whatever you decide to do, Victoria, make sure that you're tracking it. Um, you can do it by hand by making yourself a chart and uh, and charting, you know, which theaters you send which headshots to um and then uh seeing what responses you get back and and trying to link those to uh the headshot so in other words if you get a call from a specific theater you actually link it to uh, a, spe- a specific headshot um if you don't want to do it by hand this is actually something that performer track will do for you and, and i know trevor uses that uh, program a lot more than i do so you want to talk about how that works treb
0: yeah performer track is 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 a very cool um Kind of web program. You can access it on online at, think, at performertrack.com and it's it's a paid membership. So it's a hundred bucks a year, or I'm sorry, well, a hundred bucks a year if you are an inside acting listener. Uh, <laughs> <as you laughs> that's are. right. Um, if you go back that's to right. episode three, we had an interviewer who's one of the creators of Performer Track, and he gives a, a pretty cool little discount code in that episode towards the end of the interview um, to get you uh, a certain percentage off of the. The software, But essentially, it's, it's a way to store all this information online, so you can track things like what cast and directors you've met with, what headshots got you in the door, um, uh, what the names of the people in the room were, um, what you wore. You can even take a picture and upload it and attach it to that actual audition. Um, you know, track whether or not you've sent a follow-up uh, postcard, whether it's a thank you, I'm up to kind of thing. We, we've had a whole discussion about thank you postcards on the podcast as well. Yes. But that kind of thing, you can all track and, and keep in one place online. Uh, with performer tracks, so really, I think it's whatever, it, whatever kind of person you are. You know, if you're if you're one of the people who likes to handwrite things and carry a notebook around, then then maybe performer tracks. You know, you don't need to spend the money. But if uh, if you want to have it everywhere you go with a computer, it's great.
1: Yeah, definitely. Do you have any other responses to like her her question specifically about whether it matters or um, sending out different headshots to different theaters?
0: Um, you know, this is a tough one because I have never actually sent out a headshot to a theater. Um, I'm assuming she means like theater companies and, and auditions and things like that. So I've never actually done that. Um, but my guess is, um, you know, look at the kind of work that they do. You know, if it's a, if it's a Shakespeare, uh, you know, an outdoor Shakespeare during the summer kind of thing, maybe they want smiling. Those tend to be, uh, the comedies, you know, um, or if it's like a, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like a, a down and dirty theater company that likes to do a lot of like urban, gritty, new age, ex, um, uh, experimental type stuff. Maybe they want a serious one. I, I mm-hmm. don't know. I mean, I, I don't think you could right. really go wrong, um, with either one. I just, so it's, it's a tough one, you know? I mean, I think as long as you're sending something, you're, you're doing the right thing. Right. Yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> is the barking dog coming from your end yeah or that's my end uh, <laughs> <laughs> no I know i'm I'm joking because it's like i I'm, I'm the one out in the wilderness and the barking dog is happening in the uh, apartment in los Angeles <laughs> um, right, right. um yeah well i think I think to boil down your point uh trevor it's 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 about knowing your audience yeah you know? yeah. Um, and that's that's very important. That's very important. Yeah. So, um, Victoria, hopefully that gets to your question. Um, if you have uh, additional questions or if you have a follow-up, feel free to send us a voicemail or uh, send us an email at insideactingpodcast at gmail.com to, to follow up with us if, uh, if we didn't get to your question.
0: Cool. We've also got a, uh, a voicemail from uh, a listener, uh, Gerald. Um, he called us and left us a, a voicemail question. So let's go ahead and play that right now. Hey,
2: guys. Hi, this is Gerald. I'm calling from Delaware. First off, I just wanted to say that I absolutely love your podcast. Um, I've learned a lot, actually, more so listening to your podcast than I have uh, in some acting classes. But um, my my question or comment is, uh, I'm actually, me and my friend are moving out there um, in August to Los Angeles from uh, Delaware, like I said. And we're looking, to, uh, you know, for sure acting. We've done the New York thing, and now we're trying to get to uh, – to California and I personally really wanted to get into improv and I've been kind of doing my research and all my trips out there I visited a few. I know that the, the big schools out there are IOS, Groundlings, uh UCB, and um, Second City and I just wanted to know your comments or um, ideas as to what would be the best school to go to as far as learning the writing, the craft, and building a character. Um, I visited two of them while I was out there, um, Iowa West being one, and I like that um, while you're there, you can immediately start getting on stage, and I don't know how it works at the Groundlings or or other places. So I just wanted to know, out of those four, um, what would you recommend, and um, if there are any schools or programs that are um, flying below my radar, if you can fill me in on that. But thank you guys very much, and continue... The awesome work, and I will be listening. All right, this is Gerald
0: from Delaware. Bye. Cool. So, thanks for calling, Gerald. Uh, I think that I think that uh, improv is actually. In fact, I know this because we talked to uh, we talked to and actually, I had a, a, a quote unquote strategy meeting with um, Chris, my agent, <coughs> and uh, one of her assistants, Gareth. Uh, this earlier this week, and she, Chris said, like, literally, like, the thing that's missing from my resume is improv training with, like, a reputable group. And I've had improv training with individual teachers, but what Chris said to me is she said, cast directors are going to look at that, and it's not going to mean anything to them. You need to have some right. ACME or West or UCB or the ground lanes on your resume. Right. Um, it's a timely question. Right. Um, he, his, the, the, the kind of, just of his question was what, like, what are the better ones? I think kind of was what he was getting at. And also, um, are there any that he's Mm -hmm. missing? Um, so aside from that first thing about, about having like a real, a real kind of name brand type of improv training on your resume, what I've heard consistently just from my, you know, limited scope of experience with improv is that Acme is really kind of the best, um, Kind of broad stroke improv training you can get out here. Um, Groundlings is great for its kind of reputation, but it's a little bit more cutthroat. Um, yes, and uh, UCB is is similar to Acme in that way, where it's a little more broad, it's a little more welcoming to kind of all all levels of experience. Um, so I don't know. I mean, what do you what do you think about that?
1: Um, I, I agree. I think that, uh, he mentions, I mean, I don't think that he's missing anything, um, unless you start going into sort of the medium sized to smaller improv, uh, companies. Um, he mentions the, the, the big hitters, you know, right off the bat. And if that's what, you know, he wants to get into. And if he's got the experience to get into those places, I say, why not? I think it's a very good uh, point that he brings up about being, getting a chance to be on stage or not, because, um, I can't remember which one it is, if it's UCB or, or which one it is that, that, uh, will not, if you're in the, um, sort of improv one oh one, whatever they call it, the, 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 beginner level improv classes, they won't even let you, um, uh, uh perform for an audience for like the whole first uh year or whatever it is of your training like as you're going through the first um uh, uh level of that school um, it might be you see. I can't remember which one it is that does that, and so it's not until you get to the second year, the inter- sort of intermediate level, that you're even you know going to be actually performing for people. Uh-huh. Now, uh, it, that's the same. It's you know it's the same argument that happens in, in colleges all across the country and across the world, where you know your freshman year is spent you know in your training, and you you don't actually get to be on stage and at some schools, and then some schools you're on stage all four years, where you're you're in class but you're also doing plays, and so there's you know there's these two uh, schools of thought that are all trying to get their, their students to the same place, um, but just to go about it a different way. And so, you know, I, I think I commend you, Gerald, for doing research. And I think you should continue to do more research on these, on these places, um, and ask around, especially when you get here, because you'll have people, you'll talk to people one day who are like, Oh, I love this improv theater. And then the next week you will be like, no, I hate them. I love these guys. And then the next week talk to somebody else who hates both of them and loves a different group. Yeah. You know? Um, and in addition to that, um, like Trevor just said, don't, um, don't rule out the possibilities of a place like, uh, you know, there's always sort of like smaller uh, improv groups where, uh, you know, you might be able to cut your teeth in Los Angeles doing improv in a sort of a being a, a slightly larger fish in a smaller pond, mm-hmm. as opposed to a small fish in a big pond, uh, just like with, you know, colleges, yeah. definitely keep in touch and, and let us know what you, uh, ultimately decide. And, um, for the rest of our listeners, every time somebody, you know, asks a question that Trevor and I don't know a, a very definitive answer to, we always ask the same thing every time, which is if there's somebody out there who has a recommendation for Gerald, Please, please, please send us an email, send us a voicemail, um, and let's get the dialogue going between uh, our listeners, not just from our listeners to us. Yeah, yeah, uh,
0: yeah, we're all here to learn. (laughs) And Albert and I, I'm sorry, AJ and I don't pretend to have all the answers, so. Cool. Well, uh, let's go ahead and roll into this interview. awesome. Yeah, definitely. So uh, this is our interview on the set of The
1: Closer uh in jk simmons trailer very nice guy uh we had a really great time we hope
0: you enjoy this first part uh the second part will be in uh, episode 26 yeah. before before we actually start it up is just drop a, a preemptive knowledge bomb here i just want to drop the sound effect in there we go because uh this first part of the interview is full of those really kind of juicy tangible uh knowledge bombs slash wisdom nuggets so I um, hope you guys enjoy yes. this interview. Uh, and we'll see you on the other side.
1: All right, guys, welcome back. So Trev and I are sitting here with actor J.K. Simmons, uh, who many of you know from... The HBO show Oz, or um, the Spider-Man series of films, Um, and right now he is uh, currently working on The Closer, so we are actually on set here, and um, we are really appreciative uh, to have him. And uh, thanks for being here, J.K. Sure, you bet. So uh, we always like to start out at the beginning, just kind of talking about uh, you know how you got your start, uh, you know what brought you to acting and uh you know i know you had a a theater career early on i would really love to talk about that being a, a musical theater guy myself so uh yeah you just talk about where you got your start
3: yeah it was a a circuitous and sort of stumbling path from uh going to college uh, well going to three different colleges for my uh my one undergraduate degree which was in music actually and uh about uh, halfway through my uh my undergrad career i i uh really, you know, a series of synchronistic events uh, got me into a summer stock job as a music director and then, oh, well, it turns out we need somebody that can sing, who can play the lead in Brigadoon and, um you know, I had hair at the time so they (laughs) had me do that I was, whatever, 21 and, uh, and I was horrible, horrible (laughs) like the worst actor in the world um, but started to learn, you know, started to figure things out and worked with, uh, uh you know, some good directors, uh, that year and the next few years doing musicals and summer stock. And, um, that was a great place called the big fork summer playhouse in big fork, Montana. And, uh, um, after a couple of years there, I graduated and went out to Seattle just to see, uh, it seemed like a, a good place to go. It was the nearest big city. Um, and, uh, you know, there was a, a really, uh, burgeoning theater community there. And, uh, you know, I waited tables, I, uh, I washed cars, I did this and that. And, uh, uh, you know, one thing sort of led to another. I, I went to some auditions, I got a job. Um, and really, the nice thing about Seattle at that time was was that uh, I, I went in there as a, as a guy. I, I was just beginning to feel a little bit comfortable as an actor you know but uh, but I was still mostly a, a you know a singer and uh uh the people in Seattle the first job I got in Seattle actually was uh in uh, Once Upon a Mattress a musical but I played the mute king <laughs> and the reason I got that job and this is you know I think this is a good thing for people to uh to know I uh i was you know i was pretty much the straight standard leading man you know baritone you know guy but uh i had auditioned for this show and i was at the callbacks the dancing callbacks which is not something i ever you know trained in or was much good at and uh because i wasn't much good at it at the dancing callbacks i was you know just goofing around like an idiot every time i would screw up you know i would you know make a face and and the director is sitting out there and uh he calls me down, they're taking a break, and he calls me and he says, he says, well, you know, we heard you sing and, you know, really liked you a lot. And he said, you know, there are really three different parts I could cast you in in this show right now. He said, you could play the uh, Sir Harry, who was this sort of, you know, dumb, baritone, knight guy. Um, and I don't even remember what the second part was. It might have been the the jester. Or or he said, uh, you know, you could play uh, the the king. King Sextimus, the, you know, who's a mute character, Jack Guilford created it on Broadway. And, uh, and I thought, well, you know, I, 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 said, really, Sir Harry is the kind of part that I'm, that I'm used to doing. Um, but any of those parts would be great and whatever. I'm, you know, I'm a, you know, schmuck wannabe actor and I'll, I'll, I'll take anything, you know, you have to offer me. And, and he ended up casting me as the King. So my first show in Seattle, you know, which was the big city to me, um, was uh you know not only did i not sing i literally you know i was mute until like the very end of the play he finally you know tells his wife to shut up and that's you know the only dialogue but that always struck me as, as a, a valuable lesson that uh that you should screw around at auditions or just you know not to uh not to pigeonhole yourself you know you're, you're gonna plenty of people are gonna want to pigeonhole you as you know you look like this so you do this or or you know you have musical comedy on your resume, so you're a musical comedy guy, or or whatever. And uh, after I did that, and you know, and, and I, made, you know, it, it was a, a non-equity theater in Seattle uh, called the Palace. But um, you know, the show got a fair amount of attention, and and I actually was able to after that, you know, I got my equity card. I think the next show or a couple shows after that at the Rep, and uh, and I was in a new spot where nobody saw me as, as just a musical comedy guy. And I, so I got to do everything I got to do, you know, musicals and dramas and comedies and new plays and Shakespeare and this and that. And, uh, and yeah, really my, my whole career was theater for the next, uh, what was that? That was 78, uh, you know, for the next, uh, the next, uh, 15 years or so before I even started doing any film or television.
1: Do you feel like uh, we've had uh, some people on the podcast talk about the idea of, um, what do they call minor markets, i.e. Seattle, Atlanta. Um, <clears throat> do you do you think that going into Seattle, you thinking, you thinking it was the big city, um, do you think that that was a springboard in terms of building up credits, in terms of making connections? Like, Do you feel like that was a, a good... Path for you to go?
3: Yeah, yeah it absolutely was. And, and again, this was you know in the dark ages, so I, I don't know how much you know it applies to uh, trying to get a career started today. This was you know late seventies. I left Seattle in eighty three and moved to New York. And you know, I, I mean, I I really when I started out, I I, re- I had no I had no long term plan. I had no real ambition, particularly. I mean, I just knew. I had sort of stumbled into doing this summer stock stuff and just fell in love with it, you know, and um I just I was just hoping I could, you know, keep stumbling along and not have to get a real job. <laughs> um and uh, and of course I got, you know, I had a succession of you know, horrible, you know, waiting tables and bartending jobs and stuff and all that, um, as most people do. But yeah, when I when I moved to New York in 83, it was because I had done a production of a new musical in Sun Valley, Idaho, actually. I mean, it was this this whole sort of Northwest area, you know. I kept going back to Montana to do summer stock and, and working at the theaters in Seattle. I did this show in Sun Valley, and the writer and the the, the leading lady and other people were from New York, and they kept saying, you got to come to New York, we're going to do this on Broadway, you're going to be the star, it's going to be great, you know. <clears throat> And, um, of course it didn't happen, but, uh, but I, I, I finally went out to New York. I was 28 years old by the time I, I finally moved to New York and, uh, which worked for me because <laughs> I was never, a uh, you know, Brad Pitt to begin with. I mean, I was doing all this leading man stuff in musicals, but I was sort of always, you know, a 50 year old character actor waiting to grow into it, you know? And then again, in New York, you know, I was just, I was just complete unknown, piece of garbage like everybody is when they start out you know went to one cattle call after another and and uh there was really another another sort of seminal moment (laughs) that again basically taught me to goof around at auditions um because i you know i would i thought well i'm in new york now and i go to all these auditions and i would be very sort of formal and say yes my name is jonathan simmons which was my my stage name at the time um and um i'm going to sing this song from this and i would you know do my thing and then uh, I was auditioning for I don't even remember what it was for it might have been Peter Pan and uh, a friend of mine who, who played piano bars and stuff uh, he used to do this gag where he'd do different songs and he'd sing them one note behind so the lyrics would be one note ahead of the note so he'd sing um, oh give me a home where the buffalo roam where the deer and the antelope play where so and you know it's like Mind-twisting sort of MC Escher for you know for musical theater kind of gag. So I went into this one audition and I did that with uh, "Take Me Out to the Ball Game." Take me out to the ball game, take me. Out. And so at the very end of the song, it's one, two, three strikes, you're out at the old ball game, and that's the end of the song. And when people hadn't heard that before, it was it was different. It was something that they you know they've been seeing. You know, seventy-five people come in and sing their. You know 32 bars of whatever and it just created an impression and it's not like it showed that i had the most brilliant voice in the history of the world but it just you know it people sat up and you know it sort of relieved the boredom of a long day of watching a bunch of people audition and then you know i ended up getting a job out of it and you know the the farther i got into into my theater career the more i realized uh, you know if you can help them relax you know and sort of perk up their day a little bit um that's uh, that's a great way to to start a relationship with somebody, and and not only to show them, yeah, he can sing or he can you know play a scene or whatever it is, but uh, but just to at least as important as that, I think, is uh, is showing them that uh, you know you're a guy they wouldn't mind spending twelve hours a day with a, a, a fun a fun person. I've really found in every experience I've had, long term experience like this one now, the closer or Oz or you know, five movies with Sam Raimi and, and this and that, or my back to my summer stock days in Montana, you know, the good experiences are, are ones where the vast majority of people are there for the right reason, you know, not to get rich, not to get famous, you know, but to, but to put together a a good project and, and, and have a good time doing it. And uh, I find almost uniformly every experience I've been through, that that comes from the top down. I'm totally digressing now. But, uh, um, you know, if you're auditioning for somebody and you just get, uh, you know, a, a really good vibe from them, then that's probably somebody like, whether it's Tom Fontana from Oz, you know, or Mike and Greer and James here on The Closer, or Sam Raimi, or, uh, you know, the Cone Brothers, whoever it is, it, when, you, when you get that really good feeling not of, of connecting but also just thinking this guy's just a decent human being and and not only smart and, and really knows what he's doing but this is somebody i i like you know almost invariably those those turn out to be the really good experiences because they're going to surround themselves you know everybody they hire is going to be somebody that not only is competent at their job but uh but is somebody you know you don't mind being locked in a dark soundstage with for <laughs> 14 hours you know yeah
1: That's
0: not a digression at all. Yeah, not (laughs) at all. And I have a a quick question about that, because in L.A. and New York, you have all these actors who are constantly dealing with rejection. It's easy to get jaded and start getting bitter and cynical and things like that. And so you you have actors walk into auditions and they bring that energy with them. I'm sure you've run into a little bit of that here and there in your career. How have you dealt with that?
3: Every time I went to sort of a new level, you know, whether it was from non-equity stock in Montana to, you know, the relative big city of Seattle and, and then to new york and then and then you know from regional theater to broadway from broadway to to doing film and tv you know there's there's a, a lack of experience that can breed a lack of confidence in there and you know i mean it, it's hard to go through that I, obviously I, I think obviously you know the main thing that you uh, need to hang on to as you as you go to you know audition after audition and don't get the job or or as you whatever you know submit yourself to an agency and get ignored, you know, time after time and don't even get to the audition, you can't be looking out there for an affirmation of, of your talent or of your humanity or of, of who you are, of your worth as a person, as, as important as having a career, you know, in the business is to most people who are. Who are doing it, or who, or who are striving to do it? I just don't think you can let it be your life. You know, you have to, you have to live your life and and be a human being and have your friends and you know have your loves and and uh, uh, and have as well-rounded a life as you can have while you're dealing with the frustrations of of trying to get a, a, a career going. You know, every time you you don't get a job or don't get an audition and and feel, you know, what you might or might not. You know, term as rejection. You first of all can't take that to heart. You can't. You can't let that um, affect your your self image. You know. Your self confidence, um, you just you know whatever it didn't fit for whatever reason you know, I mean I'm you know people have different perceptions of a career like mine where I am now. I have you know I'm, I'm on my third or fourth TV show as a, as a regular character, and I've you know, got a bunch of movies under my belt now. And before that, I was doing Broadway and this and that. But I'm <laughs> you know I, I deal with uh, with a fair amount of of my own career frustration because you know there are lots of movie roles that come and go that you know that aren't coming my way that i'm not offered and then i and i still audition you know for most most movie jobs uh you know i'm I'm still auditioning it's not like it's not like i'm just sitting in my trailer reading scripts and deciding which you know fabulous project to accept certainly there have been times you know i mean I, at, at this point the jobs do get offered out of the blue those tend to be like little indie movies, um, uh, which are often the best, the most rewarding, uh, the best scripts, but obviously not uh, paying the mortgage on my fabulous Hollywood mansion. So, um, <laughs> so uh, you know, I, I still find myself, and, and I, I assume, you know, always will find myself unless I suddenly become, uh, you know, Robert Duvall who said by the way robert duval is frustrated uh, you know about his career too this is what's so amazing I mean, there was a quote that was attributed to him and uh, i only met him once briefly but they said you know how is it you know you've had such a fabulous career and you've done all these great roles and work with all these wonderful filmmakers how is it that you decide which roles to accept and which roles you know not to accept and, and he said hey if they send it to me and it makes sense. I'll do it. Hmm. You know, I mean, because he feels like he's not getting although although you know the best scripts coming his way. So anyway, uh, I, I'm going on and on again on digression, but uh, I, I think no matter uh, uh, it may or may not be helpful to know that no matter what the level of uh, quote unquote success you've attained in the business, uh, there are still things out there. There are still goals. Uh, uh, you know that you're. Uh, that you're wanting to achieve and there's still a uh, frustration of, of not, uh, not being able to do the work that, uh, that you think you could do well.
1: I, w- I want to rewind it a little bit because you mentioned, um, this is actually a question I wanted to ask you. So I'm so glad that you brought it up. You mentioned your, your stage name, uh, and I'm, I'm doing air quotes again. Yeah. I've been doing that lately. Really they don't work they on, don't work that, on, yeah. on radio, on podcast, uh, on the audio media. Um, you mentioned your, your stage name, uh, being Jonathan, Kimball you've since you're now using uh JK right uh so what can you talk about that a little bit because yeah. we've talked about it on the podcast before a couple of our listeners have uh changed their name as have I um you know my my uh, actual name is Albert John Meyer and I just you know I'm using my initials very similarly to what you did I'm using AJ uh-huh. AJ Meyer so what uh, what prompted that decision you know what?
3: It, it was hardly even a decision my, my my name is Jonathan Kimball Simmons, and when I was a kid, you know my parents named me Jonathan as a you know a, a name from the Bible and uh a Kimball is my mother's maiden name but then when I was a baby they they kind of looked at me and went they just didn't call me Jonathan and uh they didn't call me Kimball because that was you know that was my mom's last name and and uh John seemed kind of too generic and John, so they ended up calling me Kim for most of my childhood you know so when i when I first started doing uh music and then and then theater i you know i was just kim simmons and then i decided when i got into like serious music in college i had to have some sort of you know more profound serious sounding <laughs> kind of name so so when i was like doing recitals and things and singing brahms and and this and and when i was uh, composing uh i was j kimball simmons j period kimball simmons that to me sounded like a a serious composer or musician or something. <laughs> a couple of years later, when I was in Seattle and I and I uh, had the chance to, to join equity, they had a Kim Simmons in equity. The J. Kimball Simmons to me was sort of my musician name, you know so I became Jonathan Simmons that was my official you know stage name, my, my equity name for I don't know my whole time in Seattle and for the first couple of years in in New York, Although my first several years in New York, I wasn't really in New York. I would, I would, I I was living in New York. I'd go to an audition. I'd get a regional job, and I'd go to Buffalo or Atlanta or Boston or, you know, wherever and, and do a play and come back to New York. So I'd been in New York a few years, and I had, I think it was an audition. Anyway, I, I was asked to do a, a bit part in Wall Street, in the movie Wall Street, and it was supposed to, there was a scene in a locker room, and it was... I think technically, uh, uh, I don't know if it was technically background work, or or they were saying it was going to be an under five, or it was going to be some featured something because they needed some guys who were athletic, which I was at the time. Um, to uh, you know to be walking around naked or half naked in a locker room scene with with uh, uh, Michael Douglas and, and I thought, well, this will make mom and dad proud. I'll be <laughs> I'll be half naked in my movie debut, or perhaps fully naked. So of course I had to go join SAG for that job. I went uh paid my billion dollars to join SAG, which I couldn't afford at the time, and they had a Jonathan Simmons in SAG, so I couldn't be Kim Simmons, which was sort of my familiar name that I was used to. I couldn't be Jonathan Simmons, which, you know, I felt like I'd sort of established a, a career, you know, a, a regional theater career as Jonathan Simmons. And then I thought, well, what the hell? Um, They've taken both my names away. And when I was a kid, although I had never really, I mean, Jonathan never became, uh, you know, people didn't call me Jonathan. Every time we'd have like a read-through of a new play, you know, when we'd start a new job, they'd say, and here's Jonathan Simmons is playing the part of Parolas, you know, and I'd say, yeah, call me Kim. But then, so here I was, I couldn't have my first name or my, my middle name. When I was a kid, my dad, a lot of the times would call me JK or Jake. And I thought, Jake Simmons, eh, eh, eh. J.K. Simmons, yeah, yeah, what the hell? That sounds kind of cool. And then, of course, the SAG job, um, for those of you who are, you know, going out and renting Wall Street to see if you can see my ass in it. <laughs> um, well, first of all, you can see my ass in Oz. So, uh, but I hinted up uh, the Wall Street gig, you know, as happens with movies. You know, they said, well, you're going to work, you know, on Thursday the 10th in the locker room scene. And then on Wednesday the 9th, you know, some AD called and said, yeah, we're pushing that into, you know, two weeks from now. And where they pushed it into, I had a theater job in Happy Valley, Pennsylvania or something. So I ended up paying a billion dollars for my SAG card, not doing the movie, and didn't have a SAG job for probably three or four years after that. So wow. so ended up not being in Wall Street. Wow. Naked. Or otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> or so
0: All right, guys, welcome back. Hope you enjoyed part one of the interview with J.K. Simmons. Uh, Next week, we've got part two coming at you and uh, a few more uh, listener questions. And hopefully next week, uh, AJ and I will be in the same room together again. (laughs)
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, yeah, I mean, I hope I'm back and haven't gotten eaten by a bear. Uh,
0: (laughs) No grizzly, man. No going (laughs) grizzly. Oh jeez. Yeah.
1: Now I'm all nervous. Um no, you, I I said this I said this to you, Trev, when we were walking away from this interview, uh, and I'll probably mention it again next week when we do part two, but I just felt like I was just in the room with this very sort of sage uh, you know, acting master and I'm not talking about like I'm sure JK if he's listening to this is going, You guys are out of your mind <laughs> um, <laughs> that's just the kind of guy he is. He's very yeah. humble. But um it, it wasn't it's not necessarily like, you know I I was sitting in the room with like, you know, um, Olivier or something. What I'm saying is he has had so much experience with the business that he has a a sort of comfort level with it that I hope I can achieve someday Mm. Um, in that it was just everything is very uh, uh, easy for him. And I don't say easy as in like, you know, he just goes from one project to the next. I mean, he talks about that a little bit in the interview, but um, easy in terms of uh, not um, not as 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 worried about things as Trevor or myself or, or most of our listeners are. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, one
0: thing that I really kind so, of took away from two things actually really took away from this first part was was number one, it's it's a lifelong thing you know it's not like it's this like get as many roles as you can before you turn 30 and then and then reassess it's like it was so clear to me that he was from the beginning I mean and I liked his kind of how he said he he, he didn't have much ambition is what he that's how he put it uh, in the interview but I right. I think he meant that in a very good way in like a very like I didn't really put the pressure on myself to become famous by a certain age you know and I think that that's a big right. part of why he's had such a great career is just because he just kind of was like, you know, like, well, I'm, I'm here for the rest of my life. So I got a little bit of time, might as well just live my life and let right. act and be a part of it rather than. Right. Know.
1: Well, and, 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 and not only, uh, ambition to be famous by a certain age, but to be famous at all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, like he, he even, you know, he's like, if you're, if you're doing it for the fame, if you're doing it for that kind of stuff, uh, yeah, out. yeah. <laughs> and he says that in
0: interview too. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing yeah, that, yeah. that really not. that I really kind of uh, took away from it was, um I just thought it was so cool the way he was just jumping around from summer stock gig to you know regional theater gig to dinner theater gig. Like, just he was just kind of just doing his thing for the first. Uh, I think that until he was like twenty nine or thirty, he was just like making it happen, and I I, I love that. He, like so many people in LA, they, they, you're only an actor if you're on TV or in films. And that's just not true. It's like, you are an actor if you're, if you're doing anything, if you're doing monologues on the sidewalk by yourself, you're an actor. And I I really like that he, that he really just, you know, when he got a job necessarily, he was out auditioning and he was auditioning for whatever. And at, at that time it was all like regional theater gigs. And I think that's awesome. Um, yeah. I think that we, yeah. you and I uh, have both done a lot of theater, but I think that um, that was just a really good reminder of, you know, get out there and do stuff.
1: Absolutely. Um, great interview. And, you know, part two, just as good. So uh, look forward to that, everyone. Um,
0: and, and, you know, we'll have that for you next week. So uh, I think that does it for episode 25. If you guys want to get in touch with us, you know where to go, actingpodcast.com. You can drop us an email at insideactingpodcast at gmail.com you can tweet at us at twitter.com slash inside acting you can tweet at us <laughs> you can uh you can uh send us individual uh please tweet can, us tweet at us <laughs> you can tweet at us individually if you'd like well, uh, i am twitter.com slash trevor algott you stop <laughs> tweeting on me uh, uh i'm twitter.com slash digital actors um let's see you can leave us <laughs> at two one three two two one three two actors that's two one three two 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 eight six seven seven. Uh, you can fan us on or like us on, on Facebook on iTunes just search for Inside Acting on iTunes uh, hit the fifth star and uh, leave us a glowing review we would love you forever <laughs> yes <laughs> yes only the fifth only the That's fifth right. star right. um, and of course uh,
1: last but certainly not least um, uh, you can go onto our website and on the right hand side is a big yellow donate button where you can uh, contribute to the podcast if you find something of value uh out of it anything even a dollar uh you know helps goes a really long way we've been able to um you know buy new equipment uh buy new software and really keep this this up and going Uh, of course trevor and i do this whole thing out of pocket uh so we're paying for uh bandwidth we're paying for storage space for file hosting for uh the website for all the equipment uh and uh you know, uh, travel expenses. You know, uh, gas to and from. Uh, you know, location uh, interviews uh, like this one, this episode. So, if you find something of value, uh, uh, please uh, go head over there to InsideActingPodcast.com dot and, and click on the, uh, the donate button. Um, it's a hundred
0: percent secure and also tax deductible as an actor because you can write it off as an education Absolutely. expense. Yeah, right on. Well, that does it for episode twenty five. Um, uh, to add before we we uh, wrap up. No, I'm good, man. Let's All right, do it. Cool for episode 25. My name is Trevor Algott. I'm we'll AJ see you guys Meyer. Next
1: week.